scheduled meeting for Shoreline Task Force for 2-13-24. Please, everyone stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance. Okay, so number three, uh, public comments and announcements. Uh, does anybody on staff have any comments or announcements? Anybody in the uh, audience have comments or announcements? Anybody on the uh, committee have any comments or announcements? All right, well, I do. I, I, I would like to thank uh, Carol Volstad for her, her service on this committee. She uh, she's no longer with us, but I would like to also welcome our new member, uh, Stephen Murphy. And uh, looking forward to serving with you as well. So here we go. All right, number four, consent agenda. Approval of the minutes from the regular meeting on December, what the hell? Uh, no, I'm sorry, I, I got it. <laughs> it matter. I got a bar on my tablet. Approval of the minutes from the regular meeting on December 12th, 2023. Uh, do I have a motion to approve? I move we approve the meeting minutes. I'll second. Um, Stephen was here, so uh, I'll approve. Uh, all in favor? Okay. Aye. Aye. Abstain? Uh, regular agenda, discussion action to appoint a chairperson and vice chairperson for 2024. Uh, okay, so uh, do I have a nomination for chairperson for 2024? I move to nominate uh, Rob Nixon. Do I have a second? I'll second. Any other discussion? Uh, okay. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Uh, vice chairperson, do we have a nomination for vice chairperson? I move to nominate uh, Stormy Wall for vice chairman. <laughs> okay. Uh, do I have a second? I'll second. Uh, any other discussion? All right, all in favor? Aye. Aye. All right. 5.2, discussion on the Shoreline Task Force's overview and responsibilities. Christina, take it away. Awesome, thank you. Uh, ben, can I have the PowerPoint, please? Sweet. Well, Stephen, welcome to our committee. We're looking forward to working with you and excited to have you on. Um, just wanted to go over briefly, a little reminder, what the Shoreline Task Force is, and then we'll get into some responsibilities. Um, so Shoreline Task Force was established uh, to identify problems uh, and develop goals and objectives to develop a strategic plan um, for our beach uh, and then our bay as well. So the Shoreline Task Force was formed by combining a previous Beach and Dune Task Force and a Bay Area Task Force. So um, this task force's responsibilities include everything that's on the beach side, including, including making recommendations to city council regarding permits, grant projects, that sort of thing, but also make recommendations 
slow down. Sorry. <laughs> Talking about that. Sometimes I tend to talk fast. Um, as well as items on the bay, so bay accesses, um, boat ramps, that sort of thing. Um, so our uh, the task force shall endeavor to protect our dune system um, and for dune line. And so when we consider permits, uh, striving to avoid damages and mitigating those as much as possible. Uh, so there's the task force has adopted general guidelines as stated within our beach and dune plan uh, for construction of a continuous dune line. Um, and I took this straight from chapter 22, which we'll actually talk about later, uh, which is our, our, our rules and regulations that we have on our beach. Um, so it's to carry out all duties, as I mentioned, of the previous Beach and Dune Task Force as provided by chapter 22. Some member requirements, um, so absences. Uh, approval absence, and we've been doing this for the last year or so. Um, there was not one on this agenda because everyone was present at our December meeting, but approval of the absence will be considered by the board at the next meeting. Um, they must be submitted in writing, so emailing me or emailing Erica, the, hey, just letting us know, hey, you're not, you won't be able to make it. Um, they will be classified as either excused or unexcused, um, and then you may not accumulate more than three unexcused absences within a 12-month period. Um, and if you do, uh, your position will con be considered vacant. So that's unexcused absences. You probably received a, an email from our lovely city secretary, Nikki Soto. Um, training and requ uh, the required training and forms need to be submitted within 30 days to her. Those include the financial disclosure report, the SPI ethics code acknowledgement form, the Texas Open Meetings Act certificate, as well as the Texas Public Information Act certificate. And if you have any questions, she is here. We could, she'll be able to help us out, or you can email her. Agenda requests, if you guys have anything, typically I try to send out an email, seeing if anyone has any um, items for our upcoming meeting. Just let me know, Try uh, at least a week before, before we, we typically post our agenda Friday before our meeting, so as long as it's before then, we have enough time. And if you have an item, just make sure to send any related backup if you have any. Regarding motions, taking an act, if you're taking an action, motion is required, then a second to be followed by a vote. The motion is not second, that motion fails. Um, so once an agenda item has been approved, we'll move on and you, we can't go back to that vote during the meeting. When voting, make sure you say yes, no, or that you abstained, just so we can have an accurate record and we reflect that in our minutes. That's all I have, any questions? Wonderful. Okay. Um, 5.3, discussion and action on the Shoreline Task Force 2024 meeting schedule. Sweet, thank you. So Shoreline Task Force, we meet on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month at 3 p.m. Um, here is our meeting calendar. Sorry, my colors aren't really showing up on the calendar, but it was included in the packet. So you all should have that. Um, some things come up uh, and we'll have to cancel meetings. We do have some dates already that we know we will not be here or they fall on holidays. So thought it was a good idea just get those canceled or rescheduled now before um, 
we get into the mix of everything this year. Uh, both meetings in March, so we could reschedule these. March 12th falls during the spring break week, so we could either reschedule or cancel. And then March 26th, neither Erica and, nor I will be here, so um, can't, we need, probably need to cancel that. Same with the August 27th, cancel, or again, we can reschedule. And then November 26th, um, that is the week of Thanksgiving. I know a lot of people travel during that week, so I threw that up there. Um, and then Christmas Eve, uh, City Hall's not open, so we'll need to cancel that one. <laughs> um, I, I just have a quick question on, um, do we have anything pending for, for permits for March? Um, yes. I'm wor there's one we're working on that may be able to go on the 21st, but if not, it would need to go to March, so we could either... Um, we could move our March meetings to either the other weeks. So the 5th and the 19th would be options March. of March. Does anybody to move them to that instead of just canceling. Does anybody have a preference? Do I have another question to kind yeah. of parlay with that? <laughs> if we do a cancel March meeting, but something comes up where you have a permit that needs to go through, can we add it back in based on wherever we're at in the calendar? We could call a special meeting for either of those dates for the March 5th or the 19th one. Do we have anything pending? There are, there is one, per, there is a two permits coming the one, I don't know when. But they're 30-day permits, right? So, um, The one, um, I, I don't know when they'll come back. But there are two in the works right now, depending on. But they haven't submitted them yet? They have. One is at the GLO, but we're actually, we've requested additional information. So that is one that could be up. Depending on how fast they get the information back to us, that could possibly be at the 21st meeting in February. So in two, or sorry, no, the 27th. Sorry, I was looking at the city council. My apologies. The 27th meeting, but if not, it would it would need to come in March. So we would need to have a special meeting in March for that permit. So should we tentatively schedule a special meeting for March 27th, or should we wait till we get the? Uh, input back from the GLO and see if March we can move 21st. forward. Oh, March 21st? March 27th, didn't you? March 19th. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> we switch to the first and third <laughs> Tuesdays of the month instead of the second and the fourth. Mm -hmm. Yes, we could do that. You would like to do that? Okay. We could do that. I mean, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we could and yeah, see what happens. I think March 19th, it's a Tuesday. Of Texas Week, or is that just following Texas Week? That is just following Texas Week. So Texas Week, we're expecting that Friday, March 8th, is like the kickoff through Sunday the 17th would be kind of the wrapping up. They'd be going back to school the 18th, so. Um, and Easter is March 31st, right? Mm hmm Okay. So we could do the 19th. Okay, so uh, do I have a motion on that from I'll anybody? I a motion to uh, cancel the 12th and the 26th and schedule the 19th. 
And what about the other dates? Oh, well, that's nothing. Oh, those, um, yes. So those. Obviously, November 26th isn't going to work, and December 24th will definitely not work because we're not even here. Um, August 27th, that's right around Labor Day, isn't it? Mm -hmm. anyway? Yes, the week. That's that week. Does anybody have a problem with that? That uh, meeting being canceled as of right now, and we can have a special meeting if we need to. Uh, no problem. No problem. Okay, so. Uh, right now, I have Michael's okay, motion <laughs> to cancel. Yeah, I have. I'm, let me let me tell you what I got on my. Board. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a second? Yeah, let me tell him what I have a motion for right now. Okay. To cancel March 12th and 26th, which are our current meetings in March, and then to schedule one singular meeting in March for the 19th. Then we will cancel the 27th, 26th, and 24th, respectively, of August, November, and December. Okay. I'll second. I'll second. Any other discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 All opposed? Abstain? All right. All right. Thanks for the prompt there. I never found for <laughs> a discussion and action to recommend the city council the most qualified bidder for Fantasy Circle Beach Access Improvements, partially funded by the Coastal Management Program CMP Cycle 27. Uh, Christine and Erica, take that one away for us. Awesome. So we've been working on improvement, the design up until this point with our engineer, Green Rubiano and Associates, uh, to improve beach access number two, 22. Uh, we do have some grant funding through that. This is one of four emergency drive overs. So we're working to construct an wooden emergency drive over, and that's to the south, uh, the large one. This is the designs are up. Um, an ADA-compliant dune walkover would be just to the north of that. Um, improvements also include associated amenities, such as the permanent restroom, drinking fountain, rinse stations, ADI sidewalks, so that pedestrians can walk from Golf Boulevard all the way to the beach, um, and then some parking improvements. Uh, we went out to bid, and so bids were open last week on February 8th. We had a ranking committee to rank the bids that were received. That included myself, Erica, um, Alex Sanchez, our public works director, and then Stormy Wall, Michael Slars, Storyline Task Force members, and then Rolando Rubiano, who is our project engineer. We received two bids, one from Bryan Industrial Services and one from A&I Custom Manufacturing. Um, Low bid was Bryan Industrial Services at $831,414. Um, and then A&I Custom Manufacturing's bid came in at $1.2, almost $1.3 million. Our engineer's estimates was kind of right in the middle, around $913, $914, somewhere around there. So um, we had one that was under, which is always great, and then one was over. The ranking criteria that was advertised in our solicitation is broken down here. You could have a total possible points of 140, and that uh, broke down to price. So we uh, gave the low bidder the full 60 points, and then the bidder that was over um, 40 points. 
And then the rest was broken down by individual contractors. So their experience, their team, and their some some sorry subcontractors that they have, their professionalism, construction performance, and then their financial strength. So were they able to provide bid bonds? Um, here are the scores that we have, and those are, here's your averages. So Bryan Industrial Services, their average was 136.67, and then A&I was 112.83. So was the uh, overreaching determiner, determiner um, the price? No, so of course the price plays a large factor in it, um, but their but construction experience. Let me go back. Their experience um, and also uh, their team and the other items play a large factor. And so the ranking committee we met after the bids were selected and we sat down. We all sat down together and went through each bid individually. Okay, so how many projects is uh Brian done? He, they have done um, beach access. They finished, they did Whitecap Circle, which was opened last year. They're working on finishing up Sea Island Circle right now. And we're uh, satisfied with their deadlines and their, their points of progress and all that stuff? Yeah, that was a topic of, of discussion in our ranking meeting. Um, a lot of the, because Whitecap, there were some delays. Primarily, those delays were due to the utility companies and communications with those. But other than that, we've been very satisfied with the products that they've been able to construct for us at our beach accesses. Okay. Anybody else have a question? No. So I have a motion for who we're going to take. I move we accept the bid from Bryan Industrial Services to do the work at Sea Island Circle. Fantasy Circle. Fantasy Circle, I'm sorry. You're good. Uh, motion made by Todd. Do I have a second? I'll second. Any other discussion by anybody? Any questions? Okay. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed? Abstain? All right. 5.5, the paragraph. <laughs> Update on department projects and grants. Coastal management program, CMP cycle 26, 27, 29. Uh, National Fish and Wildlife Foundation, Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Restore Act, Tompkins Channel Maintenance Dredging, Wind and Water Sports Venue, Cities Beach Management Plan, and Chapter 22 of the Code of Ordinances. <laughs> Strap in, Stephen. You didn't realize you were in for one of our longest meetings of the year. <laughs> um, okay, so CMP Cycle 26 Sea Island Circle. We met at the beginning of the month, actually, and did, yeah, we can do next slide for sure. Um, substantial completion was met. We hit that. Uh, we also came out and did the Texas um, Accessibility Inspection was completed, so we are fine on that level as well. That's one of the last check mark boxes. Uh, what we're waiting for is final landscaping, which we actually are running through a change order for. We didn't have landscaping originally, and then we decided it would look a lot nicer if there was some. And uh, we're, once again, waiting on power. Classic. And real quick, the change order, that's just coming from contingency, so it's not an overall budget item. We already have that budgeted. Yes, and we are still 
ahead of budget at this time. We're still in the black, so that's great. And then we're tentatively looking at a reopen date in March, as well as our grand opening on April 17th. So that's on the docket right now. Those dates could change, but we will let you all know if they do. Next is Fantasy Circle, cycle 27. As you know, we just went through the bids, ranking and submissions. We got our final designs fine-tuned um, during this process. Anytime you go out for a bid, someone's going to go, this doesn't, you know, quite get it. And they'll make those amendments. So we got those done. Uh, tentative closure date that we're looking at currently is March or April. It could be a little further. We do have a special award condition on it right now. NOAA is still reviewing the official sign-off on construction. But just giving you a hindsight, next few months, we're going to close the access reroute on either side, north or south, and start construction. Erica, one second. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to add to this meeting, but can you give like a quick rundown of what CMP is for Stephen? Oh, yes. That is our coastal management program that funds through the Texas General Land Office. We go out for funding every single year um, with different projects to improve accesses or beach and dune um, studies or bayside restoration needs. It's a whole caveat for beach accessibility bayside needs that come towards uh, through the Texas General Land Office. We've been pretty successful, fortunately, getting some funding. Uh, actually, put your thinking caps on. Funding opens March 1 <laughs> this year. So start thinking about some stuff you'd like to do, because we will start putting together proposals in the next couple months. All right, cool. All right, thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, cycle 28. Oh, and the cycles, sorry, a little more on that. That is each bucket of funding categories. So that's where the money's coming out of is that cycle. So cycle 28, we have Neptune Circle. We were actually able to go and meet with the Texas General Land Office last week. We brought forward three primary designs for them to just figure out what they thought would be better. They've passed some recent regulations where your walkover needs to be X amount of height over your tallest peak dune. Uh, we find that a little bit challenging here in SPI because we have very healthy and vegetated dunes, which is awesome. Uh, but at the same time, they also pass compliance with ADA accessibility. So when you're trying to build to ADA needs and then also read the height requirement, it gets a little tricky sometimes. So fortunately, we sat down, met with them. They went ahead and they okayed um, non-formally Plan B. I think I have it on the next one. Plan B. And this is where we can still work high enough to be over that dune line so we don't destroy that primary dune that's building up front. And it will actually be able to fully connect and grow underneath on our eastward side. And then it'll actually re-lower and slope and not fight into any of the restoration we're doing at the moment. So that is what we're looking at right now. So, this, so that one's... Uh the parking, the walkover, and um, is there anything else? Yes, okay, so there's going to be parking, a permanent restroom, we're gonna put some landscaping in, it is taking off, so if we go back, I think I put the aerial in there and we can look at it too. Um, this is what's currently there, there are stairs at the front and the back end of that, so it's not ADA accessible at all at the moment, so that was the big redesign, was being able to ramp up the beginning and the end of it. Oh, okay. I think we just can't do it because we're 
pointing. <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, so there you go. From here, we're going to put a bathroom on our northern boundary side. We'll take out the portable restroom. That's where one of the switchbacks will be to get to our ADA uh, ramping requirement needs. We will be putting in a full ADA parking spot. There's not one there right now, so that's a great bonus. And that is what we're looking at. We'll have showers and rinse stations as well. You're very typical beach so access amenities. Can you shut the plan one more time real quick? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, Jesus, sorry. <laughs> it's felt like I got a call from the principal's office. <laughs> um, here you go. There's your I just plan. want to see where the switchback is for the going up there. Okay. So it's going towards the north on the switchback, north and the south. And we'll probably at the next meeting or so bring the plans, give more detail so we can approve and send them off to the city council approval of the preliminaries so we can full design, um, but we wanted to make sure we got GLO feedback last week first and just get their feeling for it before we bring it forward. And not work backwards, because sometimes we go through and they go, no, we don't like that, and then you go, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to do them, and then we'll come forward and do a full formal review on it. Cycle 28, dune restoration phase two. This is our southern mile of our dune restoration. I'm sure all of you have seen the beach or walked on it. Within the past couple months, we're putting up sand fencing from our southern to northern miles on the beach. Substantial milestones. We completed the first mile. Um, Coastal Transplant, Steve Mercer and his team, they have been fantastic about putting it in during our high wind season of January and February. So we're already starting to see a lot of dune growth. We had our first volunteer planting February 3rd. It was awesome. The Texas A&M University, Dr. Jody Townsend, Department of Agriculture Leadership, Education and Communication, their leadership fellows came out. It was about a group of um, 15 college graduates, they're juniors or seniors in the program, and they came through and were able to put in about 4,000 plants, and they cut, I think, about 30 sections of sand fencing. So there you go. There's some photos of them working for you. That was their Saturday morning. Uh, they were more than happy to help out, and they really got it done, and it was awesome. They did a fantastic job. They did all that on Saturday morning? They did. They did all that on Saturday morning. They actually did it in under two hours. So they were fantastic. And we're really happy. Professor Chris Townsend, she was the one that said, we really would like to come back and do this. We used to do it with Rob and Ruben when they were running this show. And so she reached out again. She wanted to do it as well. And we were able to do that. And it was a great community experience. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the Joe Townsend group is insanely good and they're good but they're awesome people and it was good to work on with us again so thank you very much for getting them back involved back at fantasy phase two we have two buckets of funding for this the original bucket um they knew we wanted to do a drive over they approved the funding and we said hey, it's really expensive to build stuff. We would like more money. And so what they did is they took our project out of our last application cycle, which was cycle 29, where we applied for it, and they put it in cycle 28 because they have leftover funds. So this is what's going on right now. We have notice of award happened November 20th, 2023. We're finalizing our work plan for no review and approval. And this will cover all of our ADA pathways and our permanent bathroom. And Start date for this project, conveniently, will be in the middle of construction. So it'll work out very well. 
Cycle 29, that just got approved this year. This is where we will be getting the engineering for ADA access and amenities at Harbor, Blue Water, and Daydream. We're gonna start that October 24th. That is their typical contract time period. So we're gearing into doing that as well. Right now, we already have an engineer selected. It'll be Green Rubiano and Associates. They've done a fantastic job at our other accesses. So I actually have a reminder to email Rolando tomorrow to start thinking about what he wants to do there. <laughs> National Fish and Wildlife Foundation. This is Dune Restore Phase 2. This is our northern mile. Within this project, we're starting to look at the sand fencing structures are getting placed on the northern mile. They've planted a ton of the back areas. And within NIFWIF, which is what it is referred to, this is a volumetric study. And we're composing things to show how much wind-captured sand and dry sand we're getting at each point of access. We have six markers at the moment. Um, not only are we doing the digital terrain to show an actual cut and fill model, but we're also doing physical sand gauges so you can see how much is coming and going. Um, as you can know, on here, Aquarius is getting an aggressive amount of sand capture in that area behind its sand fencing, and Sapphire is holding still on its red line. So it's very interesting to see where we're getting a natural greater amount of sand deposit. The Sapphire Access, that's 23? Yes, it's the very last one on Gulf Boulevard. Or no, because no. that's Sunset. It's the, yeah. the one right before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right, okay, that's what I was thinking. And that one is still in the red? Yeah, it's still, it does not have a sand fencing up yet. Oh. And it doesn't have any plants. So this is a great way to show you that our Aquarius one has grown five inches and captured five inches of sand, uh, which is pretty amazing because it's, just like rain grows it upward, right? And then sapphire is sitting at zero still because we don't have it. But they're getting up to that area very soon in the next few months, so we should start seeing it training to grow as well. Are they doing anything different as far as installing the sand fence this time versus the last time as far as deeper posts, or is it the same? That's a great question. Steve Mercer would be very happy to answer that for you. <laughs> uh, it is the same team who's laying the post and the actual sand fencing. I'm not sure if it's deeper or not. So I'm sorry, I cannot answer that question for you. But I will ask him and I'll let you know. We have taken into consideration, though, certain areas that were washouts last time and are trying to do, like, there's a particular area on the south end that we know the beach is a lot narrower, so we're focusing on just post and rope right now, and then later on in the season, possibly coming back and putting in the fencing there. But we're um, hoping that the renourishment from last year is in our favor, because that washout area that was really bad in 2022... Um, that ripped a lot of the fencing out, we had sand placed in that area, so we should have a lot wider beach that should help us out. And one thing also to consider is also when you're putting in sand fencing, you want to remove the sand fencing once the, you don't want to leave it there to get covered completely in sand because then it becomes a safety hazard as well, so yeah. And then Texas Parks and Wild Wildlife, this is actually in tandem with our restore, 
Texas Parks and Wildlife funded the design and engineering for the Muddy Soul or Seahorse Harbor boat ramp. What we're looking at right now is we're actually moved all the way up forward. We have signed engineering plans. We're pending approval on our city's building permit side. Not their fault. There's still a couple other things that we have to submit on our engineer side. Um, but grant closeout we're looking at this year. So here's those designs um, that we have that we talked about um, a while ago. <laughs> but nothing's changed, so we just, the engineers have since put in just the details that need to go into the um, plans for contractor selection. Um, and yes, this is in partner with the Restore Act. Uh, so right now, we're, as Erica said, we're just waiting on our building permit, but they can't issue that until we have a contractor. And so um, we're working on, sorry, I know you guys were looking. Let me look at this and I can go back. Um, there's quite a few administrative tasks we're working on in-house uh, in and then ad and additionally with TCQ, who is our grant um, administrator. Uh, we have some work plan amendments that they're working on with the Treasury. Um, we've been trying to compile our invitation to bid package. They have quite a few, the Treasury, it's their money and they're funneling it through TCEQ, so we work primarily with them. But there's quite a few items that we need to make sure we have in our invitation to bid package. So we're working on compiling that and getting those all squared away, and they'll have to review that before we can send it out. So we have a little bit of time. They did uh, give us partial notice to proceed um, in January, which is great. Uh, full notice to proceed, though, will happen once we have a contractor. So in the next you know, few months, we'll be able to do that. Um, What's the difference between partial and a full notice to proceed? The full is like you can start construction. Partial is like, all right, you've done everything you can up to this point. You have your designs. Everything looks really great. You have everything in line. The next step is really just the contractor soliciting that and making sure we get that. Okay. So I know we've been talking about this for a long time, so I'm just curious. I've asked this question before. Just want to get an update. So when, positively, when you guys think on the positive side, we could actually start construction on this and All actually right. have it done. Yes. So oh. best case scenario. Uh, so right now, can I answer that after I do Tompkins Channel? <laughs> You're beating us to the punch, Rob. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I just my agenda, so I'm, I'm going back here. Okay, there we go. Okay. All right, so Tompkins Channel. We are currently actively dredging, doing the maintenance dredging of Tompkins Channel. Uh, that is Bryan Industrial Services that is doing that, and they're right on schedule. So they have actually, we had our meeting last week, and I did this before, but they've been dredging along the causeway and doing that. They've actually recently turned, and they're now on the bend heading towards the island in that area. They've been averaging anywhere from 2008 to 324 cubic yards a day, but they're typically dredging the 324, which is the max that their barge can hold. Um, as of last Thursday, they have dredged 60, just over 6,300 cubic yards. 
we've only had four rain days in January. A lot of those were those cold, windy days. And so when it's super windy, they really can't be out on the, on the barge in the bay. And so those days they've been focusing their efforts at Seahorse Canal, which is the location of our boat ramp. So they're dredging, they're working on dredging that canal. And um, it was, I think, 80, 85% complete as of Thursday, the canal. Um, they're hoping to have a second barge arrive in March. That barge right now is undergoing um, some maintenance. So they're hoping in March we'll get a second barge that'll start up on the north end. And so they'll work to do that. Um, going back to the boat ramp, our, that property is one of, um, one of our upland disposal sites. So we really can't start construction until we finish up dredging because we want to make sure we get all the material off and do that and then be able to come in and construct our boat ramp. Um, I think that's it. I, th I thought I was going to say something else, but I forget. In the channel, how, how do they, or the dredging, how do they uh, verify us down, dredged out to what we wanted? Great question. Um, so they have the plans. We've had a, a, a pre-survey of where the areas need to be dredged. So they've been working off of that. Um, they have actually a survey scheduled for the 21st next week that it's gonna go in and resurvey everything. So resurvey what they've already dredged, but also look at the areas that is upcoming so they know. Um, and then they'll be doing a survey every month just to confirm that we're going at the right depth or if we need to go back and get more. So that is how they're doing that. Mm -hmm. I hope I answered your question. Sort of, yeah, we're good. <laughs> I, I, just, I, understand, I, I totally understand that this ramp is depending on Tompkins getting done first and clearing the spoil. And right now, our complete, our expected completion date for Tompkins Channel is June. Okay. So. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Wind. I still wanted to be the second causeway. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. I promise. I know it's been a little slow, but we're getting there. Wind and water sport venue. This is one of the venue projects that the city has. Um, so we've been ongoing with our engineering and permitting and actually gave this update to city council the other day. So um, this is a recap of 2023 project progress. We know this has um, been another one that's been in the bucket for a while. Um, and we're, we're doing our best to get through it. So early 2023, we did an upland wetland delineation and a mitigation plan that was submitted to the core. Um, we went out, we did, they did interagency review for that mitigation plan in April, May of 2023. At the end of May, we received those comments and were able to submit them back in early June. Um, at the end of July, the Army Corps of Engineers uh, requested an updated biological assessment. And so we had a quick turnaround. Two days later, we sent that updated biological assessment, which is the ninth revision that we've had to do for the core. That was submitted. Um, real quick, the core noticed that the Eastern Black Rail was not included in our biological assessment. Um, and so they had requested that that be included, that they weren't gonna be able to process anything until we included that bird. That's a bird, if you haven't, if you don't know. Um, I was gonna ask for verification on that. Or, yes, yeah. one of the birds that's since been added to the uh, species list down here. So um, August and September, we worked on adding uh, those details into the biological assessment as well as updating our mitigation plan. Um, 
sorry, I got ahead. In September, we received an additional list from the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers regarding our mitigation plan. We met with them in October to kind of um, hash it out, figure out what we needed to do. And so at the end of December, we submitted that updated assessment that included the Eastern Black Rail in addition to an updated mitigation plan um, of a six to one ratio. So our original submission was just a one to one. Typically with the Army Corps of Engineers, when you're doing permitting, you usually start with a one-to-one, -one, and then you go up depending on what they're requiring. So we submitted a six-to-one. Um, that was December. We're still waiting to hear back. Um, in January, we he our project manager from the Corps of Engineers said that he would start reviewing it as soon as possible, um, but I have no further updates. So right now they're just reviewing those documents. Where is the uh, proposed mitigation area? On the bay side, up north. That's so a big area. <laughs> the one that was submitted is, uh, I don't have a map. This is, um, you can see, it's further north than this. It is not in on the same site as the project. So it's north of the project? Yes. But it is on the bay. It, it is the same um, kind of habitats that we're impacting, and we just increased that ratio. So it's about 10 acres, and that equates to just over a six to one ratio. It's another, not washover, but like another tidal area. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is a washover, but okay. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Last one. <laughs> Our beach management plan in Chapter 2022. Um, I this is kind of just an overview of what we've been working on, but in the next couple months, I definitely want to bring it back so we can really go through it to make changes so we can get this finalized because this is something that's we've been working on for a while. Up to this point, we've been doing a lot of informal submissions with the Texas General Land Office because we don't want to make the changes to our plan in our chapter go through the formal process, you guys recommend to city council, city council approves ordinance, we send it to the GLO and the GLO is just not okay with it. Then we have to start it back from scratch. So we've been working informally, making changes, we'll send it to the GLO, they'll have comments, that's kind of where we've been. Um, and it's a lot to go through. You'll see in a second some of the snippets that we've been doing. Um, so we've been doing informal submissions. We received some comments back at the end of 2023, and so I'm going through those right now. Um, largely, a lot of stuff is just updating. Example, right now, our ordinances and our plan references the town of South Padre Island, so a lot of it's just updating grammatical stuff like that. Um, the other one is the dune protection line, the historic building line, and the building setback line. Send those off, but formal adoption won't happen until they go through their process. So, sorry, I should have started with this. For, the formal process is for us to make the changes. Shoreland Task Force reviews, recommends approval to City Council. City Council approves via ordinance. Um, two meetings in a row. There's standards that the Texas Administrative Code has for that. Once that is all done, we send it to the tex to the general land office, and they have it gets put on the Texas Registrar for six months for public. Com There's some public comment period that gets posted, so it's it's a pretty lengthy process. So we want to make sure when we're submitting it that the state is okay with everything. So we did 
do an, an ordinance to update our dune protection line to include areas that have since been annexed in the city since before. So we did this quite a while ago. So you all should be familiar with this. And, and the building setback line is um, very similar to the historic building line, but we can't call the historic building line in newly annexed areas, it's called the building setback line. So north of, um, it, or south actually, where there's where Isla Blanca Park is, the city limits extends pretty far south, down to Isla Blanca Park, their northern pavilion. So the, it's called the building setback line down there, and then north um, in the shores area, and then on the in the city limits. So wait, wait. Never mind. Discussion for those. Are we we're, we're drawing a straight line from the current building setback line up north? Um. So in the shore for the up north. Yeah. So the for the lot one, block one of Padre Island in subdivision, and for the shore subdivision, the building setback line is 440 feet landward of the mean low tide, and it, that extends north and south of the subdivisions. Okay, okay, all right, okay. The way I first read it, <laughs> I thought we were just taking the narrow part of the beach and just going straight. No, 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 that letter B okay. for 7010, that's for the, um, the Hilton, just the Hilton. And that's a line extended from the historic building line. But up north for the shores and that Ocean Towers lot, that one south lot, that it is the 440 line. 440 line. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, nothing's right, changed okay. there. I just want to make sure I didn't read it wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, something that, you know, we don't have to talk about it a lot now, but something to consider. Um, we've had this Dune Ridge construction in our plan for some time, and it was originally put in there to help establish dunes, but we have since been able to grow a robust dune system. This really isn't in compliance with the Texas Administrative Code anymore, so something to, just something to consider. Um, in our city's management plan, um, there is, uh, it's broken into, the first sections is just timeline historical events, so we've just been making sure to update a lot of these events that haven't since the, we've since this plan has been amended with the state. Same thing with beach renourishment. Um, just making sure we're updating the most, we have the most recent numbers in there. So those are pretty minor stuff. Um, other considerations, again, just think about this. We're not deciding anything today. Um, in our plan, there's this section uh, in beach access, or beach management plan, letter A is beach access. This has been in our plan for some time. Uh, the Beach and Dune Task Force and the Board of Aldermen, so the dates on there, 1995 and 2000, um, they had, and we, we've tried to search for these policies, but there's nothing really in place. It's just these snippets in our plan that say there's these policies that um, when considering dune walkovers, we should be, we should take into account the proximity of public beach walkovers, which we currently do, and it's great. So um, talking with the GLO, something we might want to consider is actually putting in our plan, um, such as new, this is just language, again, example language. Oh. New walkovers are not allowed within a certain dis dis sorry, distance, but 
with, sorry, I've been talking a lot, distance of a public beach walkover, or, you know, if there's single family residence, residences, you know, you need to tie in or do a new, your, um, if you want to construct a dune walkover, we won't allow it unless you're tying in multiple, multiple properties. So again, just something to consider. So we're taking what we've done for the last several years. And just putting it in writing. writing it. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, the new Texas Administrative Code regulations regarding dune walkovers, Erica mentioned it briefly earlier. We've been adding those in. Again, just something that's in place already, just updating our plan. Um, these regulations include the width of the walkover, um, as well as the height of the walkover above the dune, um, and then just making sure certain items are mimicked between our plan and Chapter 22. Um, let's see. I'm almost done, I promise. Uh, other considerations uh, about including, um, so up to this point, the plan really was just, this was the doom protection line and this was the historic building line for the city, for the town that's been here forever. The city has since annexed and we have been able, in this update, we're going to be able to update those setback lines for those annexations. Something we might want to consider is including future annexations. So if we, you know, in any future annexations, the dune protection line would be, it would have to be a thousand feet from mean high tide or wherever there, it, whatever encompasses critical dunes, pretty much copying what we have in the Texas Administrative Code. Um, and then uh, trying to get those construction standards um, in that as well for anything down the road instead of coming back and doing this again. So just something to think about. That's what the GLO has brought up. Um, but it really should reference what the administrative code states for eroding areas since that's kind of where we would be annexing. So that's isn't it already, though, if, if, if not, not even annex property, but anything in our, uh, what's it called, the... Uh, Extraterritorial jurisdiction, ETJ. Are, don't they follow under our current? No. The in the ETJ, if it's not within city limits, they do not come to us for permits or anything. They still go to the county. But if we're but within our ETJ, we're able to annex that. So once we do annex it, then we would have to come back and establish these sort of these lines and these construction standards. And then implement them or put them into our plan. But technically, as of right now, if they're in an ETJ and they want to develop it, I mean, it's not happening right now, but if it does happen, they could do it under county guidance. Correct. And then request the annexation by the city and bypass what our current construction setbacks would be. Is that correct? Or is that a question for... If someone has property that is in our ETJ, but outside of our city limits, and they want to develop tomorrow, they would have to go through Cameron County. But they would do it under Cameron County it. standards and not ours. So we but would... Cameron County standards, they're pretty, sh they follow the Texas Administrative Code. And mm -hmm. those. Yes, okay, all right. Yeah. Okay, okay. I just, I just want to get that clear, just because, mm -hmm. I mean, the North is, you know, the Wild West, for, not the Wild and, West, but it's, it's, yeah, we should, we should definitely consider before we annex anything right. what our liability is going to be 
taking care of those properties. And I, I didn't put it up there, but I think it's one of the edits in there as a draft right now. Any future annexations, the dune protection line would be 1,000 feet for mean high tide. Um, and then the setback line would be uh, the same as the shores, which is that 440 line from mean low tide. So that is what we've been going, or the idea would be, is to adopt similar lines that we have already in the northern part of our city limits. Cool, thank you. So that is just you know an update on what we've been working on. We know it's been some time. We're hoping, um, I would love to get this to you for full, full review to get your feedback on some of those items we talked about today and some considerations so that we can get this moving forward. There's some items that I still need to talk with the GLO first, just to nail it out. We wanna make sure we have all of their information. Again, make sure that they're gonna be okay with it or you know, if we have questions, make sure they answer those before I can come to you and bring it. So hopefully soon we'll be bringing that back. All right. Thank you, Christina. You're welcome. Was that it? That's 5.6. Ooh, man. I know. Isn't the paperwork so right. fun? So 5.6, <laughs> uh, discussion of possible action to recommend the city council a bench and dedicated to Charlie Brommer and placed at a city beach access. I would like to table. Um, I don't have quite the information I wanted to have today um, as far as uh, what we're looking at. So I would like to make a motion that we uh, table 5.6. Would you like to meeting. table or... Pull it. No. Because what's the, we have to bring it back if we table it. Well, I want, to take, I want to bring it back next meeting. Okay, perfect. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. Okay. Did you I'll make second. your motion? Hmm? We have a second. Uh, any other discussion? All in favor? Aye. All opposed? Abstain? All right, number six. All in favor of adjourning? Aye. Nobody? Aye. Aye. <laughs> 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 <laughs>